0: Title of this morning's message is Chain of Evidence. Chain of Evidence. And so on a crime scene, evidence is useless. Unless it is properly marked and packaged, and a chain of evidence is begun from the time it is picked up. And as you saw in this scene that we just looked at a few minutes ago, the chain of evidence that is taking place, the crime scene became exponentially large as they went out into the middle of a desert to find cell phones. And when they picked them up, they realized that this piece of evidence was going to lead them to this piece of evidence that was going to finally lead them to what we know ultimately happens at the end of all CSI shows, unless it says, to be continued... They solve the crime. The truth is found. And that's what we're going for as the body of Christ. We want to read the Bible and do more than read it and see the facts that are there. We want to find the truth in the Scripture. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so our goal for you throughout the series is for you to find the truth of God's Word. And so we've jumped into this series uh, breaking it down like a crime scene, but we've called it Christ Scene Investigation and so we do know that when you find the scene like they were on It wasn't the little taped off area like we would normally see a crime scene They were out in the middle of this vast open place and sometimes some of you begin to open the Bible and say where do I even begin? <laughs> because it is so big and the the scene of God is so huge and it's so amazing And so what we want to begin to do is establish a place to begin and a place to find the truth and and a place to find the, or solve the issues in our lives. And so we're going to begin to do that this morning. It's going to be a little bit different than last week's message. Last week's message was focused on a singular bullet casing, Mark 1, Mark, Mark one eleven. It was focused on that and how that one singular scripture can open it up to a myriad of truth. Today we're going to do just the opposite we're going to find different scriptures that say the same thing and find out where do we start from because the scene is exponentially big. And how many of you ever heard of the woman with the issue of blood? You've read about the scriptures, we've made great illustrations out of it, we've done fun messages out of it, we've done serious messages out of it, but we all know that the crux of the, 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 the scene there is the woman who had an issue of blood said, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. And so that's where we're going to kick off with this scene this morning. Now we're going to read all three accounts of this scripture. We're going to go through a bunch of scripture today, okay? The broader the, the broader the scene, the more scripture you're going to have to go through, amen? Hey, it's kind of like a buffet line. You didn't want to walk into a restaurant with a skimpy buffet line, amen? <laughs> I didn't walk into the presence of God, and he wasn't skimping out on me. He gave me more than I could handle to show that he's more than enough, Amen. And so this morning, I want you to realize that God is your more than enough. And so he didn't just give testimony about this singular woman with the issue of blood and the miracle in Matthew. He said it in Matthew, Mark, and in the Gospel of Luke. And it says, and I love what we talked about last, thing, every, last week, everything must be confirmed by the mouth of two or three witnesses. And so this is one that we need to break down and begin to talk about. And so if you would, um, uh, if you have your Bibles opening them up this morning, but I'm going to read to you Matthew chapter 9. For our first section of it, verses 20 through 22. Matthew chapter 9, verses 20 through 22. Take your pens out, take your phones out, Facebook parts of the message, begin to take notes on it. Cri- good crime scene investigators don't go anywhere without a pen and paper or recording device, amen? <laughs> if you're going to be a Christ scene investigator, you better break out pens and paper and recording devices and pick up the CD and download the iPod, uh, the, uh, the, 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 the app of it and, and download the, the podcast of it. And so this says in Matthew chapter 9, verse 20 through 22, it says, And behold, a woman, everybody say a woman, Amen. who had suffered from a discharge of blood for 12 years. This crime scene been going on for 12 years. This isn't a Christ scene right now. This is a crime scene right now because the enemy is still winning. The enemy is still winning at this point in her life. So now it's still a crime scene, but it's about to become a Christ scene. Amen? And so it says a woman who had been... Um, struggling with the discharge of blood for 12 years, came up behind him and touched the fringe, somebody say fringe, of his garment, for she said to herself, some of y'all need to start talking to yourself. If I only touch his garment, I will be made well. Jesus turned and seeing her said, take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well and instantly, everybody say instantly, the woman was made well. Come on now, that's good. Give God a hand, clap praise, if you're excited about that. (laughs) Now we go to the gospel of Mark. It's the longest discourse of it. It's Mark chapter 5, verses 25 through 34. This is the longest discourse about this particular woman. This is eyewitness number two. Everybody say, eyewitness number two. And it says, there was a woman who had, a, who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years. See, the accounts line up. They're the same account. It started out the same way in Matthew. And who had suffered much under the care of many physicians and spent all that she had and was no better, but rather than grew worse. Some of y'all can relate to that. Some of y'all have been there. Some of y'all have been through those medical scenarios. And it doesn't seem like anything helps. Today could be your day. She had heard the reports about Jesus. Come on, that's good. Some of y'all have heard about Jesus. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I even touch his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt it in her body that she was healed from her disease. Come on now. (laughs) She became more than a witness. She became physical evidence because she felt something. She physically was changed in this. And she was healed from her disease. And Jesus perceiving in himself (laughs) That power had gone out of him. He immediately turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing in around you, and yet you say, who touched me? His disciples looking at him like he's crazy. I mean, there were thousands of people pressing in, and you're asking, who's touching you, Jesus? What are you, what, are you, what are you talking about? Jesus knew something was different. He said, who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman knowing what had happened to her came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. <laughs> Come on, she didn't tell him facts. She told him the whole truth, and he said to her, "Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed from your disease." Amen. Now let's look at the account of Luke. Luke 43 verse Luke chapter 8 verse 43 through 48. Luke chapter 8, verses 43 through 48. And it says, and there was a woman who had had an ischar- a discharge of blood for 12 years. Same account. Every one of them starts out the exact same. And though she had spent all of her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him, touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, who was it that touched me? When all denied it Peter said master the crowd surround you the the crowd surround you and are pressing in on you but Jesus said someone touched me for I perceive that power has gone from me and when the woman saw that she was not hidden she came trembling and falling down before him and declared in the presence of all the people there why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed and he said to her daughter your faith has made you well go in Peace y'all give God a hand clap of praise man. You can't read a miracle three times and not get excited about it You can't read something like that three times and think wow, that's pretty neat. Happy for her Thank you, jesus He didn't do it just for you to know for her to have it He did it so you would know about it And if he did it so you would know about it something different is going to take place and now on a crime scene We're always trying to solve a negative on a christ scene. We're trying to solve the redemption plan Okay A crime scene and a Christ scene are different things. Christ came on the scene for redemption. I'm going to recap this every week. What is the scene? The scene is God's word. Today it's a big scene. We're taking three of the different gospels. Not just Mark, not just Luke. Three of the different gospels. So the scene is the whole word of God. What was the crime? It was sin that happened in the Garden of Eden, which led to this woman's issue because at the fall of man, all of hell broke loose on the earth to to steal, kill, and destroy. And that's what was happening To her and she was being still stole from killed and destroyed right there But what is God's motive for the Bible? The Bible is not an all-encompassing history book God's motive for the Word of God is his plan of redemption It is finding you at a lost hurt broken and dying state and letting you know that I've got a son He's my only son. He didn't just come to save you from your sins He came in power and anointing not just to save but to heal and deliver and to empower you not with just your power but my power and bring you to a place of of new covenant in me, which is called redemption. And redemption literally means to bring back to an original state. So if you want to know how God really intends things to be, read Genesis 1, 2, and 3 before the fall and the last two chapters of Revelation. That's how he really intended things to be. All the junk in the middle is his redemptive plan. And the Bible isn't junk. All the junk that happened is his redemptive plan. And so we must begin to remember that. And also we need to remember as a CSI, You are a Christ scene investigator if you open the Bible you are investigating a Christ scene. Your job is to not to find just the facts Your job is to have the truth revealed to you It's to have the truth that will set you free exposed to you so that you can be set free and things can change in your life, and so we must remember that moving forward. So let's discover this chain of evidence that we've talked about. Now, last week we talked in Mark chapter 1, verse 11, about a singular one verse of Scripture. All, all of verse 11 in chapter Mark is the most, boring is a bad word, the, the most li- l- less detailed account... <laughs> Of of that part of scripture out of all the gospels. And so I took that one, the least detailed one, to show you how God can open up miraculous truth. And we you and we refer to that as a singular bullet casing in that particular message called last week. And it's physical evidence. Get the copy of it um, from the church. But today we're gonna talk about something completely different. We're gonna talk about a chain. Evidence and so if last week mark of 111 was the the singular bullet casing today is going to be the smoking gun. Amen And I need you to understand something Touching a gun does not release its power Pulling the trigger does Some of y'all have touched God's Word you've petted God's Word you've held it close to your heart and God's Word You just ain't pulled the trigger by your faith (laughs) It is time that you quit touching the Word of God and it is time that you start pulling the trigger on the Word of God. If you are going to get God results, it's not just going to be because you touch the hem of his garment, it's going to be because your faith pulls the trigger and the power comes out of Jesus. (laughs) Come on now. It's no longer time for the church to just pick up the Word of God and declare how precious it is. It is time for the church to pick up the Word of God and declare how powerful it is. This is not some book that's for decoration. This is not some book that should sit on your coffee table and look pretty. This is some book that people ought to say, wow, your Bible is ragged and old and bent up in pages are torn." It's like, yeah, that's because I use it. Come on. It's because it's used. That's because it's needed. And if you see different colors all in it, it's because God was speaking to me at different points and different times and different occasions. And let me tell you about the power that came out of it. And I'm telling you it's time as a church that we no longer just touch it But we release the power of it through God's Word. And So discovering our chain of evidence We're gonna find in this case in this scene that we're talking about on this Christ scene that the evidence that we're gonna begin to look at here Right here in this place what we're gonna begin to discover what we're gonna begin to to unwrap here today is that the Jesus is the man on the scene obviously The hem of the garment was the instrument or the the garment was the instrument used Specifically the hem of his garment the fringe of his garment And we have people say all the time. Oh, if I could just touch the hem of Jesus's garment, you don't have a clue what you're talking about And i'm not trying to be ugly You literally do not have a clue what you're talking about because what you're saying that is I literally need Oh, jesus something physical (laughs) But the Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. You're literally saying, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, that means you literally say you need a physical Jesus with a physical garment to believe. There is nothing spiritual about that saying. Because if we truly knew what this woman was doing when she said, if I could touch the hem of his garment, (laughs) ooh, come on. It ain't just going to be me touching it. It's going to be me being... Pushing into it and a trigger pulled and my faith is going to activate the power of God coming out of it Amen. See the garment was just a point of contact the, the, the a gun is just the housing of the bullet that does the damage The garment is just a point of contact the garment is just what the bullet was going to flow through to change her life Come on now so the garment being just the point of contact, we better break this down a little bit farther and find out what's going to happen because the hem of the garments are mentioned all throughout Scripture. I mean, all throughout Scripture. And so we're going to break down a bunch more Bible and everybody said, yes, because I want the power. <laughs> yes. Say, I want the power. I want the power. I don't just, you don't just want to touch it. Say, I want the power. the power. I mean, if we don't want the power, we may as well go home. I mean, we can watch church on television and have a good feeling. And nothing wrong with television church, I mean, but we better want the power more than we want the entertainment. I want the power. I want to see God do something amazing. And so as we break open this scene, we're reading in the book of Numbers. Everybody say numbers. <laughs> we don't like it because we don't like numbers. <laughs> Come on. The book of Numbers contains a bunch of numbers, <laughs> right? Okay, y- y'all will get there, <laughs> receive it, grab onto it. It pops up in the book of Numbers in the Old Testament. The first five books of the Bible. One of the the books of the Bible that the kids of the Jewish culture memorized. And it talks about this. Numbers 15, 38 and 39. And then we're going to jump down to verse 41. Numbers 15, 38 and 39. And then jump down to 41. It says, the Lord said to Moses. Everybody say Moses. Moses. Speak to the people of Israel and tell them to make Tassels, and that's the hem, that's the fringe. Tell them to make tassels on the corner of their garments throughout all their generations and to put a cord of blue on each tassel of each corner. And it shall be a tassel for you to look at and remember all the commands of the Lord your God to do them, not to follow after your own heart or after your own eyes, which are inclined to whore after. Now, that ain't my words. (laughs) I didn't say that. Bible said it. God said it. God is talking. Moses didn't say it. Moses just wrote it and said, oh, Lord, in 2015, that's not politically correct. They're going to be upset, God. I can already tell. And God says, I really don't care about political correctness. Our eyes are whoring after lusts of the flesh, and we're not experiencing the power because we're whoring. Mm. Sorry you don't like it. Come on. And he said, I am. Everybody say, I am. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord your God. So God in the book of Numbers comes to Moses as he's setting up the discourse for the rest of, of the generations to follow when they go into the promised land. He said when you make garments on the corners in the front of every garment, you put a tassel with some cords on it of certain colors because they're going to be a reminder, not that I'm just God, not that I created the heavens and the earth, but I am God, your deliverer. I am the God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the bonds of slavery. I'm the God who's bringing you into the promised land. See, God doesn't bring you out of something to leave you here. He brings you out of something to put you into something and God said you need to put these tassels on you as a reminder that I didn't just bring you out I brought you out to bring you in God's saying to the New Testament church, when you carry your Bible, when you wear these TWBC base group t-shirts, when you got a fish on the back of your vehicle, that shouldn't just be, oh, we love Jesus. That should be a reminder. I'm the God who brought you out of sin, hell, and destruction through my son, Jesus Christ, to fill you with the power of the Holy Spirit, not to just bring you out by my power, but to put you into my power. (laughs) Come on. God's got something for you today. I'm telling you, he wants to bring you in to his power. Okay. Now the Bible also records some stuff that I don't know why it records. Okay? And and, but then you realize why it recorded it. This is the weirdest story you'll ever read, I'm just telling you. Talks about a man going to the bathroom. Sound like, ugh. Open your Bibles. 1 Samuel chapter 24, verses 1 through 8. This is years down, down the line. This is after Joshua brought him out of the wilderness across the river, into the promised land. They had established the promised land. Uh, Saul is the first king over Israel. Saul is in power, but Saul rejected the Lord, his God. The Bible specifically says that Saul rejected the Lord, so the Lord lifted his anointing from him, and Saul went crazy, insane crazy. Now, we know of a little shepherd boy named David, and he killed Goliath. If you remember that, say amen. Amen. And he killed Goliath, and this is just a side note that somebody needs to hear. If you'll walk in your own anointing and not somebody else's, you'll slay the mountain or the giant that's in front of you. Yeah. Come on. Some of you are saying, if I could just pray like Pastor Joel. Don't pray like Pastor Joel. You get in the Word of God and you start praying. Yeah. Yeah. Don't try and wear my clothes. You don't want to put my clothes on. They don't fit half of you anyway, so. And so Samuel, and so David had killed Goliath. David was anointed the next king everybody knew it the whole nation was shouting oh David has uh, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands and Saul got furious so he said I'm gonna kill him I'm gonna kill him literally kill him it wasn't just mean like we said I'm gonna kill him No, he he meant kill him. He got an army together and started chasing him I mean chasing him all across the nation not just across across the nation of Israel And so this is where the story picks up the chain of evidence comes here with the hem of the garment. Now, don't forget what we're talking about. We're talking about the hem of the garment. We're not talking about Moses and and David. We're talking about the hymn. And it says, when Saul returned from following the Philistines, he was told, behold, David is in the wilderness of En-Gedi, and Saul took 3,000. Good Lord. (laughs) Can you tell he was scared of David? You don't need 3,000 men to kill a shepherd boy. You do when he's got the anointing on him, though. He took 3,000 men out of all of Israel and went to seek David and and the men in front of the wild goats, rocks, and he came to the sheepfolds, by the way, where there was a cave. And Saul went into the cave to relieve himself. I told you, I don't know why some stuff's in the Bible. I don't need to know about Saul relieving himself in a cave. That does nothing to get me saved. I don't know how that's in the plan of redemption, but it is. So I'm going to leave it in there. And now David and his men were sitting in the innermost parts of the cave. (laughs) Uh. And the men of David said to him, Here is the day of which the Lord has said to you, Behold, I will give your enemies into your hand, and you shall do to him what seems good to you. And then David arose stealthily. Everybody say stealthily. Come on. (laughs) I like that language. He rose stealthily and went up and cut off the corner of Saul's robe. And what he cut off was that tassel that was the reminder that he's Moses said, put on all your garments. It's the reminder that God brought them out of out of out of slavery to bring them into the, the promised land. God brought him out. And so David cut off that reminder. Mm. Then David rose stealthily and cut off the Saul's robe or the tassel. And afterwards David's heart struck him. Thank you, God, people still have a conscience. Because he had cut off the corner of Saul's robe and he said to his men the Lord forbid That I should do this thing to my Lord his anointed and put my hand against him seeing that he is the Lord's anointed That's like 20 messages So David persuaded his men with these words do not permit them to he persuaded his men to Do not and did not permit them to attack Saul Saul rose up and left the cave, and went on his way. And I just told you that the anointing had lifted from Saul, but David still said he's God's anointed. What is the difference? The anointing had lifted, but he was still alive and in power. Just because the anointed, anointing has lifted off somebody does not give you a right to bash them or try to get them out of power. It is God's to rise up, it is God's to move out, and it is your job to be faithful to him so you can serve God, even if the day comes where you can overthrow somebody who you shouldn't be overthrowing. And I'm telling you, in the United States where we live in capitalistic America where it's step on everybody's head to get to the top by any means necessary, we need to change our kingdom ways and let God promote us and quit trying to promote ourselves. And I'm telling you, David cut off the corner of the tassel which is the reminder of God the deliverer, God who brought them out and is bringing them in. He cut that off and his conscience struck him. We all know the the rest of that, and I love it. Do not speak or or do things against God's anointed. Let God remove them. Let God handle his business. You be patient and trust him in the process. David's conscience struck him, not because he did something necessarily against God, but he did it against the anointed. He he wasn't mad that he, he, he messed with Saul. He was upset with himself that he cut off something of God's anointing. Whenever you stop God's anointing in your life, it should break your heart. It should grieve you. And so David cut that off. And so he came out later. You read the rest of the story. Read it in your own quiet time. Read the rest of it. David goes out and he says, See, Saul, I could have taken you into my hands this day, but the Lord forbid that I should do such a thing against his anointed. And he went up and they reconciled for a time. And then David's kingdom began shortly after that then it pops back up The hymn pops back up in the scripture. We just read in Luke 8 43 through 48 I'm gonna read it again And it says and there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and though she spent all her living on physicians She could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him and touched the fringe Everybody I said the fringe Of his garment and immediately her discharge of blood ceased and he said to her who or he said who touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds have surrounded him, pressing in around you. Jesus said, Someone touched me. I perceive that power has gone out of me. And when the woman saw she could not be hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him and declared in the presence what she did. And he said, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Now we got numbers with Moses' time talking about this hymn of the garment. We got David, the most powerful king that ever uh, reigned over Israel besides Christ himself, talking about the hem of this garment and that he was conscience-stricken because he went against the hem of this garment. We got Jesus Christ himself wearing this garment that's got the, the tassel on it as a reminder of God. And so we know throughout the scriptures on this whole scene, this garment and the tassel specifically is the instrument of choice to release the power of God in this situation. Now, this makes no sense in today's time frame. We're not studying this case in today's time frame. We're going back to when Jesus wore it. We're going back to when Jesus had it on. See, if you're going to solve a crime, you cannot study it in today's context. You must study it in the context of which it was done. And then find out how it applies to today. And how it will change your life. Now, if we're going to do that, this thing called this tassel, this hymn, is literally called in the Hebrew a tizit. A tidzi is what it's called and when the people of God would wear these things this tassel this tidzi it represented identity it represented who they were they would literally use this tassel and pick it up and they would press it into clay much like a king would a signet ring into clay and that would be their signature because they were all made individually for the specific person who was wearing them and if they ever had a question about a transaction or if the identity was there they would just compare the tidget to the marking in the clay and it would declare this is your identity this is what you signed for it wasn't just their identity This tassel that they have, it gave them legal authority. It gave them legal authority to make legal transactions and to purchase and to buy back. Other ways they did it in the Old Testament, they would swap shoes. (laughs) This is how they did it. Read the book of Ruth, kinsman redeemer, giving you my shoe. (laughs) Okay, they would also grab this tassel and say, hey, I'm buying 500 sheep. Press it in the clay. Covenant is made. Legal transaction done. Much like we sign our name to something today. So it gave them identity. It gave them legal authority. And kings and priests were these. And it gave them nobility and power. And so now you have Christ. You have Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Who is walking down the street? Crowds are pressing in around him. He's got this garment over him with the tassels, the tidzits on the bottom, which represent his identity. Oh, come on now. They also represent his authority. They also represent his power and nobility. And this woman said, If I can just touch what represents his identity, if I can just touch what represents his authority, if I can just touch what represents his power by faith, the power, the authority, and the identity will come out of him and flow into me, and I'll be forever changed. <laughs> And so we begin to read this. And so this woman is pressing in. This woman has no identity except she's the woman with the issue. (laughs) Come on. Some of y'all, that's how you define people. He's the person that's handicapped. You ought to have a tassel that he can touch and change his life. You define them. They're the broke ones. They're the marriage trouble ones. They're the key people that, that, you know their kids, they're hellions. I won't say it in church, but you know. Sitting across your dinner table, oh, you know so-and-so's kid got pregnant? She's the pregnant one. Come on now. You know it took a boy to do that? <laughs> I, I ain't going off on that. I'm just not even going there. Come on. And we have labeled a society by our issues, not by our identity. But she said, I see a man (laughs) who's declared who he was who said he's got an identity. In Luke 4, 17 through 20, he said Jesus said this about himself. So she being a daughter, because in all three verses, all three scripture texts, he says, daughter, your faith has made you well. So she knew who she was. She knew she was a daughter, but she knew that she needed to get into somebody with identity. And Jesus declared his identity in Luke 4 verses 17 through 20. And he said, the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given unto Christ. And he unrolled the scroll and found the place that it was written about him, I will add. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty and freedom to the captives, recover the sight of the blind, and liberty to those who are oppressed, and declare that this is the year of God's favor. Now this woman, she walks up to Jesus knowing his identity, knowing that he is the anointed one who has come to help the poor people. (laughs) She was broke. She spent all she had on doctors. She was oppressed by this thing, this issue that people kept labeling her as. So she was broke she was depressed and she was also held captive by the issue that she was currently suffering from Listen people who are broke and oppressed and held captive don't need you talking about them They need you delivering them And so she said if I can touch the man who is the son of God himself with this identity that he has declared himself at, If I touch that tassel, I'm not touching a tassel. I'm touching the identity of God And you were created how? In his image you were created in his image So she said if I can touch his image, it'll change my image Come on some of y'all got to get that if you can touch his image, it'll change your image And it ain't about touching a physical garment. It's about touching his presence touch his image It'll change your image. It'll change your life legal authority She knew that he had legal authority to make a transaction when he was wearing one of this and he said jesus said you're a daughter of Abraham I don't have time to go back to the promises of Abraham. But he did say through Abraham, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And he continued that covenant with Moses and says, you'll be blessed when you come in. You'll be blessed when you go out. Everything your hand touches is going to prosper. He said, you'll have, you'll have more than enough. He said, I'll heal your kids. So when he said daughter of Abraham, he wasn't just saying her genealogy. He was saying, I know who you are. I know who you are. You have legal right to the covenant that, I pro- that God my father promised long ago. And because you're bound by today's circumstances, you're legally bound to this covenant too. So listen to what Jesus did. I, I love this about Jesus. Been, you need to research this on your own. And it says, and you who were dead in Colossians 3, 2, 13 through 14, and you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive together with Christ. Heaven forgiving all of your trespasses and canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. Oh, come on. We don't want to talk about legal demands in the spiritual realm. There's a reason Jesus had to suffer and die the way he suffered and died and it wasn't because he wanted to put on a good show It's because everything that he went through there was a legal demand in the realm of the spirit that had to be accomplished So you couldn't just be set free you could be redeemed and redemptive and brought back to an original state Come on now now. And so when she touched him She didn't just touch him She touched all the legal demands Listen This is so good. This is how God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And he's the beginning and the end all at the same time. Because Jesus hadn't been to the cross yet. He's still walking the earth. But when she touched him, she didn't just touch him. She touched God himself and the throne room of God. And her life was changed before the cross happened. Because in God's mind, the cross has already took place. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He is the beginning and the end. And as soon as Abraham didn't withhold his only son, God was in covenant not to withhold his only son. So in God's eyes, it's already as good as done way back when Abraham had it happen. And so when she touched him, he said, the legal demands have already been met by my God. (laughs) He's just still physically walking them out. Come on. (laughs) Ooh, come on now. And we haven't even gotten to the good part yet. Come on. That tassel, that tidzy meant... Nobility and power Come on, it meant nobility and power so she just didn't touch the identity of God She didn't just touch the authority of God. Ooh, that's good. She's touching the power and the nobility of God himself Listen to this it represents nobility and she said in Matthew 9 21. She said to herself If I only touch his garment I will be made. Well, she didn't want to touch a gun. She wanted to pull a trigger she didn't just say, oh, if I can just touch him, she wasn't a groupie. She wasn't a groupie. She wasn't just following him to say, oh, Jesus, oh Jesus. She came with a purpose and agenda. She wanted to touch his identity. She wanted to touch his authority. And she said, if she said, I said to myself, if I can walk up and I can touch The hem, the tassel, the tizzy of his garment, which represents uh, identity, authority, and power. And the scriptures that back it up, I'm not touching a piece of cloth. I'm touching the almighty God himself. The cloth is only the avenue that it flowed through. Today, people need to touch you and be changed because they don't want to touch you. They want to touch the power, but you are the power, the the, the conduit that God flows through to release his power in the earth. When people touch you, they should say, dang, something's different when I'm around you. And they should be different just because you're in their presence. People shouldn't be staying in a bad mood when you walk in the room. I'm telling you, there should be such a different identity, a different authority, and a different nobility and power that you walk in, not because you wear a tassel, but because you've touched the tassel. (laughs) Or he's touched you, one of the two, however you want to phrase it. Now here's where, in all good shows, the case takes a twist. And all CSIs, and not all CSIs, but the, the, the weird ones, the ones that make you come back for more, is where there's a twist at the end. Kind of a twist. And, and Jesus goes off about this tassel. And this happens because, now listen, you can't just pull out the scriptures that agree with you. You've got to pull out the scriptures that make you question what you say you believe, too. You can't just pull out these three and say, oh, the tassel, the tassel, the tassel. Jesus is your identity. Jesus said something negative about the tassel. So I can't just ignore that one because it didn't fit into my canned message, into this good little thing that we got going. I would be doing you a huge injustice if I didn't say Jesus had something else to say about this tassel. So let's read what it says. But let's read it in the context of what Jesus is talking about, too. In Matthew 23, verses 5 through 7, he's talking about the Pharisees. It says, They do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they make their phylacteries broad. That's the tassels, the, the garments. They make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. <laughs> Jesus is going off about this tassel thing. He's not too happy with the tassels at the moment. Good thing the anointing doesn't rest in the tassel. It rests in the man who's wearing it. And so Jesus is going off about these tassels that the Pharisees are wearing. He said, For they make their phylacteries long and their fringes long, and they love the place of honor at feast because they represent nobility and, and, and authority, and the best seats in the synagogue, and greetings in the marketplace, and being called rabbi by others. Is Jesus knocking them wearing tassels? Absolutely not. He was wearing one himself. What he was upset about is people wearing tassels that people were touching and no power was flowing through them. What he's upset about, if you want to put it in today's context, is for people having bumper stickers on their car, T-shirts that say, I love Jesus, wearing I am second bracelets, but there's no power to go along with. Your phylacteries and long, amazing clothes that say you're a Christian, but there's no power to prove it. Jesus isn't mad at your shirt. Jesus could care less what shirt you wear as long as you're wearing, if you're wearing a Christian shirt, you better back it up with power to prove it. Don't just wear it to say, I love Jesus. That's what Jesus was mad at. That's what Jesus was upset about. Everybody got the Christian fish on the back of their car driving 95 miles an hour down the road. Why do you think I don't put it on my car? Just just saying. (laughs) you got this great facade going that I'm this believer in Jesus. But somebody says, pray for me. It's like, yeah, I'll be praying for you. See you later. Thanks, buddy. Come on now. That's good. Oh, no, you should say, oh, if you're serious about prayer, let's go pray. Amen. I mean, Walmart Isle 5 is the least used Walmart aisle in it, in it so let's go there. and We will pray. We will call down heaven. <laughs> and I'm not saying you got to get weird and freaky with people, but I am saying you better not back away from the power when they call it out of you because you're wearing a shirt. Paul said it best in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5. He said, having the appearance of godliness, but denying the power of it, he says, avoid such people. See, Jesus said, I can't believe Pharisees are wearing all these long phylacteries with no power. Paul said the same thing. He said, they're wearing all this stuff, but there's no power. He said, don't even hang around them people. Jesus said the same thing. He said, don't be like the Pharisees. So what he's saying to church today, and I'm not even going to talk about any other church. I will talk about TWBC right now. If you're going to wear these base group t-shirts, if you're going to put the stickers on that car that say TWBC, if you're going to put yourself out there and say, you don't just represent this church, but you rep- represent the God of this church, God Almighty, there better be a power ready to flow through you when people come up to you and contact you, because this ain't for show. This is for real. Yeah. That's right. Some of y'all are like, I'm going to go change shirts. Don't change shirts, change anointing. Be proud that you're wearing the clothes you're wearing, but step up in the anointing to back it up. Don't say we're number one when you're batting 15th in the lineup. Come on. We must begin to be a church that operates in power. And this scene, the Christ scene that we're talking about here, we went through the whole Bible. We explored a big scene, not just one bullet case. Because the power of God is, is truly seen through all the scriptures. The lady who touched the hem of the garment wasn't touching just the garment. That was just the holder of the power because of the man who was wearing it. And so if you're serious about saying, I want to touch the hem of his garment, don't make this some desperate plea for God to try and move because you're begging. You better say to yourself, if I touch him, I'm going to be healed and I better be ready for all the changes that come with my healing. Ain't nobody going to feel sorry for you no more. Yeah. Bring you meals, pat you on the back, saying, oh, I feel so bad for you. <laughs> Come on. I mean, you better be ready to change. And so in this power, the power of God that he's displaying, what is God wanting to do? God is wanting to show his power publicly. Not in the church house. I mean, he'll, he'll do it here. He wants to do it here. But this should be a filling station for the power of God. This should be a filling station. So when you walk out of here, and teachers, you walk into school Monday and Tuesday, you got a little kid who's broke, who's depressed, and who's got issues. Don't look at him as the dirty kid with issues. (laughs) Say, God, I pray that that kid would, by faith, come to me and ask for prayer. (laughs) Let it be by his faith. So he steps out and says, I need you to pray for me, teacher, because there's something different about you. Come on now. And let the power of God flow. Let it fall in your life.